Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players podcast, prognosticators podcast, presidential podcast, PD Light podcast, campers podcast, Philadelphia Flyers only podcast. I don't know if people knew that or not. I, some people recently, we have a five-star review that we'll get to later in the show that said, with a winking face, that we're not the only Flyers podcast. It's silly. We're the only Flyers podcast with Bundy. I mean, that's, I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple here, ladies and gents. All right. Um, but we got a, a team that's actually a good team that continues to find ways to win. And so we're going to break this all down for you tonight or for you today. And we're happy that the trio is back. Bundy is back, which means that it's time to uh, to get real about the Philadelphia Flyers. So without further ado, let me first welcome back Bundy to the program. Those of you who checked out the Press Row show for the Coyotes game got to have a little back and forth with Bundy. But Bundy, welcome back to the uh, to the show. Uh, did you miss us too much last week? I always miss you guys. It was uh, it was kind of like I got stuck in uh, like north of the border for a few days. I'd been up there seeing friends and some and my mom and dad. And so I was I was on a hiatus for a few days, guys. And I wasn't uh, totally sure how my internet would be working up there. Canada just got internet last week, and uh, you know they're a little bit they're kind of stuck in the middle of it a little bit. So they're working out the kinks. They said next time I get back and if I'm up there in the next three or four weeks, they'd have the internet working properly. Yeah, you mean you mean the high speed is is equivalent to the exchange rate? Yeah, I actually <laughs> they've just come out of the can with the string thing on it, um, and, and they're they're moved into the next evolution, which is apparently like the 1996 AOL package, where you dial it in and you know you hear the beeping. So they're progressing. Uh, and I'm happy about it, but it's great to be back with you guys. And yes, Russ, team is winning games. That's all that matters is piling up the points right now. And last night was a good example as we were talking on the press row show where Arizona is a horrible team. Me and Anthony were talking before. I mean, they're as bad as you're going to get, but you still have to beat those teams and you don't want to be the first team to lose to that team. So credit the Flyers uh, for staying with it being, uh, you know, and that, but, but again, Arizona is so bad. The Flyers should, should be winning games like that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the poor internet. And I think back to the old sound, you know, when you're tying up the phone line, that and some people might've heard, uh, our, our co-host here, uh, don't get scared. Ladies and gents, that is not a dial up modem. That is the overloaded microphone of Anthony Sanfilippo. How are you doing, pal? Thanks Ross. That's a hell of an, that's a hell of an introduction. I appreciate it every week. Uh, you know, there's always, there's always some kind of, you know, snide remark coming from you toward me that's all right it's all it's all good you, you know you got to learn to respect your elders but i guess you haven't gotten to that point yet there's elders and then there's whatever you are that's all right, right. so uh Thanks, let's, son. Get into, let's get into some of the the things that have happened with this team obviously uh last week for those of you who didn't keep up with the press row show you missed out on an opportunity last night but i do have good news for you so if you missed out on the press row show you subsequently missed out on two two not one but two flyers alumni game ticket giveaways uh, that we did during the first intermission and the second intermission. We're going to obviously keep rolling with that as the Flyers continue to play at home. There aren't that many opportunities between now and uh, the alumni game, but we're going to continue to do that. I believe with the press row show, the next opportunity I believe we have is when next Wednesday against the Maple Leafs. So uh, I think that's the only opportunity, right? It's the only home game 
between now and the alumni game. So we're going to be giving away some pairs of Flyers alumni game tickets there. But of course, because you're listening here on the podcast feed or you're watching us over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, uh, we want to also make it worth your while to listen to the show. Of course, you do that anyway. You're here. But we're going to be giving uh, away, let's say, two pairs of tickets, two pairs of tickets on today's episode. Uh, it's not going to be some kind of arbitrary criteria. I don't actually remember what Anthony said he wanted to do in terms of uh, how we're going to do the giveaway for those. He says a so, lot of things. No, my I, suggestion, I, my I, suggestion, I hear much of it, you know. My suggestion was at some point in the show that mm-hmm. we give out like the keyword or whatever, whatever the heck it is, and that whoever sends that back to us on Twitter or, or through Facebook uh, or on the YouTube page comments, you collect all those people, then you do like you did before when we had giveaways. You just do like that random draw and pull winners out. Oh, we could do that. That'll Easy work. enough, right? I'm going to let you, yeah, I'm going to let you run that. You're going to just like drop the random keyword at some point during the episode. We can make okay. it like a, a learning moment. So people have to stick around, obviously, throughout the episode. We don't want to give it away too early. We right. don't want to wait till the very end. Like, we'll figure it out. So yeah. you can win a, a pair of tickets to the Flyers alumni game. Uh, two, it's, it was actually kind of funny because usually when you do giveaways, there's that question of like, did you rig the vote? You know, Bundy over there got a real good chuckle about uh, somebody's comment last oh, night. Oh, when, uh, funny. He, he picked his uh, his favorite question and that that one, uh, Chris Freed, who's been a longtime listener and viewer of the Press Row Show, um, his pair of tickets. But we also had um, another longtime listener and viewer win a pair of Flyers alumni game tickets. Uh, the man who has photoshopped Anthony so lovingly uh, in a speedo on Twitter for the better part of the last year and a half. So that was a really exciting thing. And I wish I knew. Um, I wish I would have known that. I wouldn't have called his name out so quickly. Yeah, you would that's have uh, tried to rig that's the vote. Thanks, Ant. That's that is wrong. You should be ashamed of yourself, Ant. Ashamed. Uh, All right. So without further ado, let's get into what this team is because last night. They took on uh, an Arizona Coyotes team that is a, an abject failure, a disgrace. Bundy, I know that you had a lot of strong words about the Coyotes before the teams played. And you, you compared them and when th- where they're at as a, a team versus, like, say, a, a Seattle Kraken. Can you kind of uh, give people who might have missed the show last night uh, a little bit of insight into what you think that Arizona team was going in? And, and maybe, I don't know, did anything change your mind by what you, uh, you saw in that game last night? No, and again, you know, it's nothing against Phil Kessel, but Phil Kessel starting, you know, uh, at the game for Arizona and Philadelphia. If that, you know, Phil Kessel was a very good secondary part. I mean, I even want to say secondary. He's a good part of the Pittsburgh Cup teams, but he's beyond anything anymore of being, you know, a top-end, uh, high-talent type of player. So when I look at Arizona, they have some good pieces. Like we talked about Jacob Chikrin. I like Jacob Chikrin. He's playing as a number one, and I don't know, maybe he is a number one, but he's not there yet in his development. So that's a problem. Uh, Clayton Keller, I don't know what's happened to him. Uh, he was supposed to be like the, the, the guy that was one of the features in the league. And whatever they're doing with their development in Arizona, uh, what, however they're developing these guys, uh, is, is not working. You know, I look at a team like Arizona, guys, and you know what? And again, it's nothing against the people or anything, but I've been there many times over the years for games. Because nobody shows up at them. I mean, they have to have a dynamite team to even get close to a sellout. And then when you watch, like, I mean, they have a coach. I don't even know who he was when they hired him. I never heard of his name before. Uh, you know, this is a problem when you get, you know, when you're trying to, you know, cut corners on stuff. And and when you watch the product, you got a team that's winless now in 10 games. Um, 
Did they compete hard last night? They did. But when I look at a team like Seattle, I mean, that was like a free pass. I don't, I'll be honest with you. I think Ron Francis did an awful job uh, in Seattle in comparison to what uh, they did in, in Vegas. I mean, they gave the city of Vegas right out of the gate an opportunity to see what a winner looks like, a Stanley Cup final berth. Uh, but you have teams like Arizona where the fan base doesn't care. It's pretty obvious the league doesn't care. And, and obviously their ownership group doesn't care at all because the product is a complete dumpster fire. Move to Quebec, get the hell out of the desert, go somewhere where people are actually going to care about hockey again because it's not in 100 degrees in the middle of the desert in Arizona. It should be up north somewhere. The league needs to start getting better and more inventive in this stuff. I mean, again, I, I'm fine with Seattle having a team. There's a good hockey base in the, in, the, in the Western Canada. I would assume that would fall into Seattle. But again, why are you pushing on franchises like that other than the initiation fee that's it's a lot of money that they're paying? They should be putting markets, building smaller ranks like the Winnipeg model in Canada and trying to garner getting fans back into it. But the Arizona model, guys, it's awful and it's not working. It's it's a complete disaster. Yeah, and the worst part about that, Bundy, is, is that you know, they're not they're gonna be moving out of the arena there. They're not staying in Glendale. That that yeah. lease is up, they're not gonna let them back in. And rather than look, like you say, look at a place like Quebec, which I think would be the most logical place yeah. to, go, to go at this point, they're talking about going back to that old, old arena in Phoenix. What's Damn that? I mean, where, where they used to play in Phoenix, where, where the Suns are, yeah. The basketball no, arena. Whoa, 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 there's like, whoa, whoa. there's seats there. Yeah, and be careful there, because the, the Suns arena is not an old arena. Is it? They used to play at that America West Arena. Remember, it was like yeah. I'm pretty sure that's. I'm pretty sure that's what they. The story I read. I'm pretty sure that that's where they said it was going to go. But back in downtown Phoenix, not out in Glendale. That that's where they were going to. That's that's where they're looking to put them. Like the ownership group does not want to move out of the area. Am I right? I think so. I I think so. Foot is that Footprint Center. That might be the name of it. I mean, whatever the name I of it is now. If yeah. I remember correctly, they did a bunch of renovations to it because they did. They did the, renovate. It's, that's one it's of, the same. That's it's the one same of, building. It's the same building. Little, little fun fact over on CrossingBroad.com. You can learn that uh, it's one of the very few arenas in the country that is going to have a dedicated uh, sports book built in the arena. Yeah. It's actually open and available now if you go to Suns games. So if you're listening in Arizona, you're welcome. I guess. <laughs> there you go. I guess. But yeah, I mean that's so like you're right, and I think that that's where the NHL misses the boat a little bit. I mean, I understand why they originally expanded into these markets to try and grow the game. But when you look at all these southern and southwestern markets, I mean, really, how many of them have been successful? I mean, Tampa, yeah, okay, because the team got good and 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 everybody got behind it. Fine, and they Dallas got tickets, right? Dallas, yeah, Dallas did well, I guess. Um, and, and Nashville, I think Nashville's been okay, right? I mean, those have been your successes. Arizona has not. Florida has not been a success, right? Obviously, they, they don't do well. Carolina's only good when the team is good. When the team's not good, they don't draw down there at all. Um, uh, and then even if you go out to California, I mean, I guess, I mean, the California teams are okay. I mean, I guess, but I mean, you know, LA, LA is LA, and then you put a team in Anaheim. Like, I don't know, is, is, is there enough? appetite for two hockey teams in that in that little area i mean i always that came on the heels of some great coaching by coach bombay and that's why anaheim had his team there all right that's one bombay that's right forget that it had nothing to do with finances it had everything to do with coach bombay i i get upset now that i guess they did that disney plus series 
where they made it seem like Bombay goes on to be, I don't know if he's an alcoholic. I don't know if he's just like down on his luck. He's like living in the the basement of the, the rink. I don't get it. I don't like it. It, uh, it sullies the good name of Gordon Bombay. There will be no Gordon Bombay slander on this podcast. Um, I just want to, I guess, gauge from you guys. Do you really think that it fundamentally changes things if they move that team out of Arizona? Like, if they do move it back into Quebec, like, is that a a scenario where like this poor product then has to get elevated because the, the folks in Quebec are going to be that ravenous for a team? Is this, is this just an example of an American sports team that's allowed to kind of flounder and to just kind of exist and have no pressure because there's really no market for the team. It's just like a, an owner who gets to pull in all the, the revenue that's generated by the other markets and the other teams in the league that are working exponentially harder, spending more money and such to raise the overall valuation of the teams. You know what? Let me just say something just about the Canadian market first. And I know I touched upon it a little bit last night before the game. First of all, I think Gary Bettman hates Quebec. I don't think that, I mean, the fact that they're not there already tells me the commissioner wants nothing to do with the city of Quebec. Uh, That's probably a tough pill to swallow for a city that, I played in for one or one or two years in Quebec and I loved the market. Like they were packed. They were into it. The, one of the great rivalries of all time was Montreal and the Nordiques, right? Like going back in the eighties, that was a dynamite rivalry. Uh, the problem is, is that if they're taking a look at where or where the chips will fall, I don't think you have to look much farther than the city of Ottawa to see what that model looks like. Like I said, guys, I drove past the building twice last week, uh, about 30 to 45 minutes before puck drop that I didn't even know it was a game. And there was nobody at the building. It said 11,000 people in Ottawa. That's the nation's capital. Uh, an October game where it's early in the season where you'd expect fans to be out uh, uh, in masses to see their team play. They got Brady Kachuk signed. You know, it's a, there's a lot. There should be a lot of excitement. Nobody's going to the games in Ottawa. And the, the games on TV looked empty when I went back and I was watching a little bit with my dad at, at the house. That's embarrassing. Like, that's a real embarrassment. And so they need to figure out why. Now, Ottawa's got a lot of reasons. I'm, I'm a hometown native of Ottawa. I want to see that city do well. I want to see that franchise thrive. They did a lot of things years ago they're still getting blamed for, putting the rink, you know, 20 miles outside the city where they could have put it downtown. That might have made a difference. But they're still dealing with it. And, and that's where I wonder if, if the commissioner is wondering, you know, what does the Quebec model look like based on how things are looking in Ottawa? And you know what? There's other teams that have struggled too. Vancouver wasn't necessarily sold out every single night over the last three years either. I, I just think it's interesting. I think, I think it's, you know, it's, it's something that the sport doesn't really address. And I think we'll get into a little bit later. I mean, Russ and I dove into the whole Blackhawks thing last week, so we don't really have to dive back into that specific um, topic, but just how the league has handled it. We didn't really talk about the league. Um, but when you look at the, the, the league kind of puts all sweeps, a lot of things under the rug, they don't talk a lot about a lot of things. And, and one of it is, is that, you know, the, the franchises that are not doing well um, and, and how to fix it, they basically just let it go. And, and, you know, it's funny, you know, you mentioned Ottawa. Yeah. They were a bad team for a few years, but if you go back before they were bad, go back to when they made the cup run a few years back, that place was packed and that was a great spot to go, you know, and, and go back to even, you know, when Brad Marsh had his restaurant out there, you know, that was a great little place to go. And it was, it was people liked being out at that arena uh, when it was the Corral center, I think it was called at that time. Right. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it was, a, you know, 
you don't just lose a fan base, especially in Canada. Something has to go wrong. Something that is th- that either the organization is not doing right or the league is not doing right in support of that organization. And you have to kind of fix it because if, if you're not selling hockey in Canada, what's, what's, what's up with what, your product, right? I mean, that, then you got to question the product. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like being an American, not being able to sell anybody on caring about the World Series. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we won't go. But, no, but I'll, <laughs> no, but I'll make a comparison though, Russ. I mean, seriously, this sure. would be like an NFL team not being able, to not, not selling out their games, getting right. half houses. Yeah, that, you know, that's like that's, I mean, that's what it would be like. And it would be like, the, yeah. it would be like the Washington football team. Because we're talking about a similar size. I mean, it's a nation's capital. Ottawa and mm-hmm. Washington are about the same size um, land-wise. I, I think there's more residents in the D.C. metro area than there is obviously in Ottawa because of, of the population. But at the same time, it would be like the Washington football team being terrible as they have been, right, for, for a long period of time, but nobody going to the games, nobody really caring about it, nobody checking in, you know, at the start of each new season. Like a lot of people thought that Washington team was going to, win the NFC East this year, two and six, and they're in last place. But I mean, at the beginning, it would be like at the beginning of that, of the season and people just going, eh, yeah, we'll check it out later. We'll go another time. They don't, don't care. That's what, to me, that's what losing interest in the senators does to the NHL. Right, buddy? You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right, Anthony. And you know, here's the problem too, guys. This is another issue when I, when I looked at it. When I watched, looked at the two opponents Ottawa happened to have, I took two interests in these games because I was absolutely mesmerized by the lack of people in attendance. They played the New York Rangers, right, in the afternoon game Saturday. And on that Monday night, they played the Washington Capitals. Number eight was playing, by the way. Mm-hmm. And there was still nobody there. Those, that's a, that is a guy who could break Wayne Gretzky's all-time record. His career is winding down, and you have an opportunity to see him. And nobody there building looked half empty. It was more than half empty. So those are, those are major problems too, because you got to consider who's coming in. When I look at teams, if I'm, if you know, so I have Eagles season tickets. I like going out of the Eagles game with my kids. So for the years, it's been great time together, uh, but I'm not going to lie. When I see, you know, I look at the schedule and I see Tampa Bay coming in. Now I want to go see Tom Brady, you know, even as a former athlete, I want my kids to see that. Where if I see some other team like the Washington football team come in, I may want to get rid of those tickets instead. So but again, that, that's got to be a concern if Ottawa can't get more people or those type of franchises by drawing in. I'm sure Arizona is no different than Ottawa. You know, when you have a guy like Ovechkin coming in, you think people want to get excited to go see that player and draw crowds for that home team, but it's not happening. That's what's going on. I wonder how much of it is financial also, guys. It's a lot of money to go down to any sporting event now. Any sporting event. You go down to a Flyers game last night, you buy your tickets, you park and get yourself a beer, a hot dog, your kid a Pepsi and a burger – you're easily looking at over three hundred dollars. Well, Russ, you did well, something well, on this. Well, you did well. something on this a couple weeks, a couple years ago, right? Yeah, we did, and and that was being pretty conservative in terms of cost because we, I think we we priced it out as a family of four, and you figured, given like the ridiculous prices, even of the upper level tickets, even on the secondary market, you figure at least with fees included, you're probably looking at seventy bucks a ticket, maybe seventy five a ticket. So you're at 300 on tickets alone. If you wanted to play the conservative game and say $50, somebody's looking to offload tickets last minute. All right, it's still 200. Parking now is what 20, was it 24, 26, 22? Doesn't 22, matter. Say, yeah. All right, so let's say 22. So you're, you're at 222 at least. And then you go inside and you eat. 
I mean, that, that could add another, I don't know, 60 bucks, maybe more. You go back for two beers, you get your kid another, uh, another soda. Uh, you decide to buy your kid a, a little gritty plush toy in the pro shop or, you know, God forbid you think about buying a Jersey, you know, cause they're not overpriced or anything, you know, like that, <laughs> that stuff starts to add up. And we brought this up a couple of years ago. We had a lot of people triggered by it that, uh, you know, we were inflating the prices and it's like, well, no, it, a family of four, it's going to cost over $300. That's not, there, there's really no way around that. Now, again, here's the one positive, and maybe this can be a good time to throw out our first pair of tickets to the Flyers alumni game. The word of the day is inflation. Okay. You can go and you can, you can send that. Oh, I was doing this. <laughs> I decided to do one. You can do the other one. Inflation, ladies and gentlemen, because you see the price of everything going up, including, you know, there, there were rumors that the Flyers were looking to increase the, uh, the price of their parking pretty substantially. Hasn't really happened yet, but they did go to all card. And, you know, we've seen this time and time again now that the all card digital or, or credit card only parking hasn't really worked out that well in terms of efficiency. A lot of people coming into games late, presumably because they can't just hand out the standard cash and move through faster. Uh, so you've got that. And then obviously the price of everything else goes up. Gas prices are up. One has to assume that food prices will continue to increase. Gas so inflation. Huh? <laughs> yes, stop. Stop. I went to go fill up. I went to go fill the car the other day and I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, like it's the one positive, I guess, now working from home is I don't have to gas up both cars nearly as much. But like, holy, holy hell, it's uh, it's rough. If you have to drive for work, Anywhere substantial. You, for example, going up to uh, the Great White North, like it's, it's costly. And I you can't for, imagine you're driving flying. a uh, you're you're not driving a Tesla or a Prius, are you? I'm a pickup truck guy. It's actually probably cheaper to fly than it is to drive. <laughs> yeah, you, you might be right. You might yeah. be right. Um, it's interesting you mentioned parking. Well, we talked about this a little bit. Um, I know we have we have kind of gotten off the, the, the team for a second. We'll get back to them, but. Um, Parking has become a nightmare down there because of this cashless system that they put in place. And, and I get why they put it in. I mean, it was put in for COVID reasons and, and they kind of thought it would maybe expedite things a little bit. Um, and it really hasn't. It's really gummed up the works. It, mm -hmm. People are getting into the building later and later and later. And I'm not sure that they know if there's a solution or not. The, the only thing I can think of, and Russ, you're more the technology guy than I am. But what if you, what if you, you know, if you have tickets to the game, that they can give you a QR code in advance that you can scan with your phone and prepay your parking. And so that all you have to do when you go down there is either show them the, re the receipt on your phone or, or print one out and just hand it in, boom, and then they just let you through, as opposed to, you know, we gotta take the machine, the little handheld thing out, and you give me your card, I put it in, we have to wait 15 seconds, take it back out, give it to you, here's your receipt, blah, blah, blah. And, and then you, meanwhile, you're lining up cars behind everybody and it's taken forever to get in. I got down there last night at six o'clock and the line was already backed up to 95 for yeah. the A gate, the main gate coming in off of 95. So the main yeah. gate coming in off of 95 was already backed up an hour before the game for, for a game that had at the, at maybe at the start, maybe 11,000 people in there. I mean, it probably got up to about 13 and a half, 14, if I'm you know, being fair uh, total by the end of the, by the, by the time the game was over, but an hour before the game and only had 11,000 people showing up and you're already backing up back to the, to the highway. That tells you that there's a fundamental problem with the way you're doing it. I don't know if they're doing like Apple pay and Google pay and Samsung pay and everything that would well, obviously they they speed are. things. 
Are they? they okay. In theory, that's I, just I wouldn't know. Be, I, I wouldn't mean, know because I have a parking pass, right? So I don't know. So, how, if yeah. That, so you know what, guys? But, but you know, I, I know no, that but, you're right about why they're doing it. But again, use common sense, right? Historically, people go to sporting events. Will carry fifty or sixty bucks in their pocket. Twenty goes to parking. Okay, let's go park. We go to the game. Most yeah. of these people, if you ask my mom and if my mom and dad went to a hockey game right now by themselves, I don't know if they'd be able to get into the parking lot because I'm not sure they have the right credentials and stuff to give them. It's a mess. That's what's happening. People are going. They probably don't have the electronic uh, stuff that they need. Go back to cash for parking. At least give people an opportunity to get in the building instead of sitting out on Broad Street waiting to get in. I didn't go last night. Honestly, God, I was going to go down. I said, I'm not sitting in that. I don't want to wait going in the gate. I'll go to the big like, and right. to, to go to your question really quick, like, yes, they theoretically could do a QR code in the same yeah. way that you would do like a, um, on, on like the printed ticket, if you did the load up, you know, like the loaded option for the food voucher or whatever, I believe there's a separate code that goes with that. They could, I mean, you would prepay for parking. And honestly, I think if you gave people what's effectively a fast pass at that point to a separate lane or a separate gate, like make it, what is that F? It's the F lot where we go in and then down past that, I think it's like E and D or whatever. Right. If you designated one of those lots as a fast park, you prepay for your parking, you show up, you pull out your phone, bingo, bango, bongo, that's it. Like that to me is a, is a smart way to do this. It's an easy way to do it. And it's going to save a whole hell of a lot of time over what's happening right now. Because the fact is what's happening right now isn't working. Now I'm sure somebody would argue that like they're still working out the kinks and like that's fair to some extent, but like, they're doing this for all Wells Fargo Center events, right? So it's not like you you only have the opportunity to implement a new a new thing or to try something new on Flyers games only. Like you could be doing this for the Sixers, you could be doing this for concerts and other things. For the Eagles, and you can run you do it and, for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean you could do it as a test run. Like I don't see why it should be a problem. I think it makes a lot of sense. But um, you know, you noted before that we kind of got off the beaten path. So let's get back to the Flyers here for a second. So um, you know, a big part of this obviously is since the last time we recorded the only games I believe that they played were the Calgary game where they kind of no showed and it was kind of ugly. We talked about it on the press row show last night. And then we had this coyotes game. I'd rather, instead of going back to the flames game, let's look at how the team reacted against the coyotes, because you go into a game like that over the last two years. And that's a game that you'd pretty much put in as a stone cold lead pipe lock. The flyers are going to underperform. They're going to lose this game like two, one, maybe four, nothing, something stupid where they play down to the level of the competition. You get into the, the middle of the second period. You've, you've blown plenty of opportunities. Arizona gets on the board and then it all just kind of goes sideways to this team's credit. They didn't let that happen. They had a goal wiped off the board that every player who came out and met with the media after. And I believe Elaine Vigneault also noted that they kind of agreed with the call in the aftermath, the Cam Atkinson goal that was disallowed where he, you know, masterfully took the puck, deposited it in the back of the net past former Flyers defenseman Shane Gostisbehere, who was a turnstile on the night. I know that's shocking to a lot of people. What is was a turnstile on defense last night? Um, you know, when, when you guys look at this team's resiliency, they didn't let that moment or the fact that they had kind of blown some decent opportunities early in that game deter them from, from continuing on and, and winning the game. Bundy, you know, based on what you saw last night, is this a positive sign for this team going forward that they didn't play down to Arizona and that they didn't get too down on themselves and, you know, they bounced back. They had a solid enough third period. 
going to kind of disagree a little bit, Russ. I thought for two periods they did play right down to that level. I mean, I thought they were garbage, to be honest with you. I don't know what else mm-hmm. to say. Uh, they were the fact – I mean, let's just face facts. If Arizona scores one goal out of the multiple chances they had at towards the end of the second, it's, it could be a whole different result. They are just so bad, Arizona, that the Flyers ended up getting away with it in the third period where – you know, a good skill player uh, like TK makes a good passing to but I don't think they outplayed that team at all. I actually think they played right to that level and looked every bit as bad as Arizona until they ended up getting the, the lead. I will say this, though, Russ, they did stay with it after that non-goal call. They could have really come undone, but, I mean, what else are you going to do? Uh, yeah. But I don't think – I was not impressed with that effort last night. I was impressed with the final score, but not the, the process in which they got there. Yeah, and to, be, I, to be clear, I, I mean, like, I mean the fact that it wasn't three periods of dreck. Like they, yeah, yeah. They so I tend pulled, to agree. They, they, you know, they pulled up the nose on the effort in the third. Yeah, yes. I tend to agree. I tend to agree with Bundy on that, Russ. And and, and it, it, it's, it was, it was up until that no goal. I would say that that was kind of maybe the turning point for them a little bit. I think that that's when they finally started to play a little bit more. But up until that point, they definitely played down to Arizona. And I wrote about this after the game, Um, you know, and and my whole lead was, you know, the coach was telling us that that first period was good back and forth action, a lot of chances and, and great goaltending. And I thought it was just terrible play by both teams. I really did. I didn't think it was, I I disagreed with Vigneault completely uh, on that. And then, you know, and then, then, uh, you know, second period was Carter Hart. I mean, he's the story of the story, the whole game with the shutout, but the second period for most of that second period, it was all Arizona. Yeah. And it, Carter Hart kept the Flyers in the game. Um, now, I, I also pointed out in the story that it was almost, and almost to the day, it was only off by a couple of days. Um, but in 2017-18, the Flyers played Arizona at the Wells Fargo Center. It was October 30th was the date. So it was only three days difference. Arizona came in 0-10 and one. They won. And won the game in overtime. Now, what happened in that game is Arizona got got that lead that Bunny was talking about. They scored that one goal, changes everything, right? But they were up three nothing in that game. The Flyers had to make this miraculous comeback in the third period, scored two goals in the last minute to tie it, just to get to overtime, and then lost in overtime. And so that that's a point that was left <laughs> on the table back then. If anything, if you're looking for a silver lining, the silver lining is that it never got to that point in this game, and that the Flyers were able to get the two points that they needed to get. You need to win those points against teams like this and they got them. it was ugly it wasn't pretty but they got the two points and so that's the one silver lining as a team result that you could take out of it but otherwise yeah I, I didn't think that they played that good of a game at all agreed yeah I do I, I mean and you know what Anthony and I'll give you know and, and to say something credit to the Flyers I mean that was the the, the coming off the road trip game yeah which you know historically can be can be a bad one you know so you know, I mean, if you're looking for a reason, I'm not saying that they were bad last night simply because they just played down. They're also coming off a road trip, first home game back. And I'll give me early in the season, I'll give them that kind of excuse. But they did not play well last night. And uh, and, and I'll tell you what, that team that uh, last night, that Arizona team, if they played that other Arizona team, Anthony, that other Arizona team would have won like 7 nothing against that mess that the Flyers played last night. Yeah, that's, that's a So fact. then let's look ahead at – the, the upcoming games for this week, because you're not going to be able to get away with some of what they got away with, especially considering that you've got two division games coming up. You've got the Penguins uh, first up. They're three, three and two on the season. 
They've been dealing with injury issues. They actually got off to a pretty surprising start and have kind of come back down to earth. I think the way that people would have kind of expected them to. Um, and then Washington, um, who sit ahead of the Flyers in the standings by, what is it, a point? I believe at this point, two points at this point, um, having played an extra game. When you take a look at what to expect this week from the Penguins and the Capitals, if the Flyers put out the kind of effort that they showed you know, at least through two periods against the Coyotes or the no-show that they did against the Flames, uh, are we having a very different conversation next week in terms of what this team looks like and and their resiliency? I'll take this one first. We could. We could have a very different conversation. Um, The only thing is, is I'm not sold on the Penguins. I think the Penguins are a really inconsistent team. Um, they have, they've had a lot of injuries uh, to be fair to them. Uh, but Crosby, you know, Crosby's back now, but they're still missing Malkin. Um, they just got Carter back off of COVID. Um, uh, I think Latang went down with an injury. Now, uh, Brian Rust is still out. So I mean, they've had a lot of big name players not play. Um, but overall, when you look at that roster, I, I'm just not enamored with it. I don't like their goaltending. Um, the combination of Jerry and DeSmith, I don't think is a very good, I think they're both one B's, right? I think they're kind of what they are. Um, I don't think it's a great goaltending tandem that they have. So like, who knows what you're going to get out of the Penguins, but you can't, so you might be able to play slightly below your A game and still pull one out against them in a kind of an, another ugly game. But I don't think you can play that way against Washington at all and, and expect to come out with, with any kind of success, with any kind of points in a game like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think, I think yeah. you might be able to get away with it a little bit against Pittsburgh, certainly not against the Capitals. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. If they come out and play the way that they played last night against those two teams, you're probably only coming away with a point maybe at best, you know, um, and that's not, a, that's not a good spot to be in. I mean, you know, the first, these are the first division games of the year, and the division games matter more than any others. Um you know, you got to finish in that top three to guarantee a playoff spot. Fourth place usually gets in. Fifth place is kind of, you know, the, the iffy one. Um, so, yeah, you, you really have to do well against these teams. And every game matters in, in the division. So uh, these are important games for them to be playing their best hockey. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, you're, you're right. And, again, a lot of it's momentum, you know, like how your team is going. I find this whole league, guys, and, Anthony, you, you know, you've been around in a while, too. I've never seen more momentum in a sport like I've seen in hockey over the course of the last 10 years, Uh, both like the way the schedule goes where you're going up and then when you go down, you stay down. But the same thing happens in the course of a hockey game as well. These momentum swings that go up and down through the course of a hockey game. So again, you know, winning the game last night's a good thing, but you're, you're totally right. I mean, I don't want to go into a division game plan like they did last night against Arizona. And you know what? I don't think they will. I think there's a good clear focus with this group early in the year. Um, and, and again, you know, like I'm not, I'm not demeaning the group by, by them winning and not playing good last night. That happens sometimes. And sometimes, you know, maybe eight or 10 times a year, there are games like that, but you are right. This, the, the, the games will get bigger and richer, uh, as, as it goes. And you know what, guys, to be honest with you, it's been kind of a mixed bag, the schedule, when you just look at the flyers and just glancing through it. I mean, they pay uh, out of the, what have they played eight games now? Uh, the, uh, the four of those eight teams, uh, of the games, four of those games, because they played Vancouver twice, are kind of middle of the road, way less than average type of teams that they're supposed to win, and they did get those points. Uh, Vancouver, they lost one in overtime. But, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, Boston, 
and Florida, really, really solid. And the other four were, were the games that you really had to kind of win. So in the games that, they're, that they've had good competition, they've played well. And I expect them to continue trending like that. You're not going to win everyone. But I agree. Washington, t- to me, is still a big, tough team. And I still, uh, you know, the big, the big team that can score goals, makes good plays. And they're still a real dangerous team. Pittsburgh, as you said, Anthony, before, they're getting a little long in the tooth. But there's still that rivalry. Uh, there's still that energy that comes out of both teams when they meet each other. And Pittsburgh will be ready to play the Flyers every time, especially now with Hextall there uh, behind it. Well, and here's the, here's the other thing. And I don't know, you know, you, not a lot of how many people look this far ahead into the schedule. You know, and I know a team looks at it and says one game at a time, and that's a nice cliche. But, I mean, if, as people who are analyzing the sport like we are, and you look at the Flyers' schedule coming up, there's no breaks. And really, for the next month, there's no breaks. I mean, we talk about Pittsburgh and Washington. But then next week, it's Toronto, Carolina, Dallas. The week after, Calgary, Tampa, Boston. The week after, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. Then you got the Devils, the Islanders, and the Rangers three and four nights. And Tampa, Colorado, and then Vegas. I mean, it's – you don't you – know, It's murderer's row. They don't get a break again until December 11th when they play out in Arizona. I mean, that's, that's a brutal – stretch of games this is going to be this is this is where the season will be made or broken for this team i think over the course of the next month when you got yeah i mean i think it's probably worth taking a look really quick at the the stand if you look at the at the standings just in terms of points you get a somewhat skewed view but if you adjust for points percentage carolina's off to an insane start washington is at what 722 on points five, percentage five one and three the capitals yeah. Yeah. And then the Rangers, the Rangers, who are a team that we talked about as being, you know, in line for a surprising season, perhaps being a team that could be in the playoff mix. Uh, they are ahead of the, the Flyers right now. Barely. You might have the best goalie in the game right now, too. Shesterkin. Really he's good. He's been unbelievable. Really good. Yep. And then you've got the Flyers in fourth, Columbus in fifth, the Islanders in sixth then New Jersey, then Pittsburgh. So based on our preseason predictions and based on what you've seen so far, how close do you guys think this could be in terms of like the end of the season? Like, are we seeing where these teams could sort of find themselves? Like Carolina clearly right now is the class of the Met. And then you've kind of got this, like the next three or four teams are pretty tight there between Washington, the Rangers and the Flyers. Columbus is there, but I can't imagine Columbus is going to stick around, right? So that at some point, the Islanders are going to have to factor into this, and you can't write off the Penguins as long as Crosby and Malkin come back with enough time this season to, to make an impact, correct? Yeah, I mean, my, you know, uh, going back to just my, my preseason predictions, I mean, I had Carolina one, I had the Rangers two, I had the Flyers three with Washington four and the Islanders five, but I think it's I think it's going to be, I mean, it's always close. The division's always close. Nobody runs away with the division, right? I mean, I, I think it's it's always close. So I think that those are your f- top five teams. And I had Pittsburgh six. Yeah, you're right. Columbus will drop off and so will the Devils a little bit, um, even though they're out to a, a decent start, um, even though they're in seventh place. I think they have a winning record. Um, yeah. But I mean, look, I, like, I, like I just said, we're looking at 18 games here before they get a break against the, a, another weak opponent. Um, I would venture to say, and, and this is not... This is not crazy, but I would say they have to get at least 50% of those points in those 18 games. I, they ha- if, you, if you have a losing record over the next 18 games, that's not good. I think over those next 18 games, you got to at least come away with 18 points total. 
or better. Obviously, or better, right? But I, I, you know, you could survive. You got off to a five, two, and one start. You could survive if you're 500 over the next 18 games. Would you like to be better than that? Yes, but they're playing a real brutal schedule. If you're less than that, then I start to think. Then you start to worry, right? You start to wonder if does this team have it? Does well, is the it factor there? I, I don't necessarily know if it is at that point. And I agree. So if you're saying they're going to get 18 out of you know 18 games, 18 points, yeah, that minimum. Yeah. minimum. yeah. Well, then if that if that and I'll, and I'm going to say this probably because if I'm the GM and that happens. I'm looking at a coaching change right away. Really? 500? You're looking at a coaching change? Yeah. yeah. Even, with that tough, even that, with that tough of a schedule? You're, 18, you're a 10 right now. You're looking at I, – I still think that keeps you way under the curve, Anthony, like in terms of where you are in the state. I think you're done. I think if you go 18 points in 18 games over that stretch, I think you're in massive trouble and you're well behind the eight ball. I, that's just the way I see it because I don't know if – like I, to me, I think you need to have 36 points out of that. I think you need like – 24, 25 yeah. points. I agree. Yeah. It's just, to me, it's just a tough schedule. I mean, I think it's, it's brutal. I mean, if, 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 there, if there were some easier games in there, I would say yes. I, I'm not discrediting what you're saying. I agree with you. But yeah. I'm saying that if you have 18, like you just said, to get 18 points, a point a game average over those 18, I don't think that helps you in the standings. And I think that probably gets you down around fifth spot in the Metro at that point. It could. Just, and a, it's, just a glance ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it could, and but I don't think it keeps you that far out either, though. Like if you're, if you're no, down, no, no, you're not, you're not done, yeah. but you're not in sitting in a position you want, like that American Thanksgiving. First of all, I think that thing, that adage is kind of done because it doesn't flow the way it used to right. because of the overtimes. And so I think the teams that are in necessarily at thanks, there's still some merit to that. Uh, but but that's why I, I really feel you're right. It's the biggest 18 game stretch of the season, I think, because of the challenges involved. I just took a glance at those games, but I really do think. No disrespect that they need to do far better than 18 points in 18 games. Yeah. Like that's, that's yeah. the thing too. Well, I mean, sure. But like, that's the thing that I think you have to look at in terms of if you're a team that believes that you're a legitimate contender or that you're a legitimate force in your division or in your conference, you have to get more than a point per game. The, the team, you know, a year ago, two years ago, pulling that off, it would probably be seen as like a, a decent effort. But if you want to create any kind of separation from what is going to be a really tight pack in the, let's say, mid to upper, you know, echelon of the Met, you have to do better than a point per game. I think Bundy's right now. I don't know if they would make the coaching change based on that. Um, but if not, you're looking at a scenario where you're really going to have to bust your ass down the stretch to, to give your, yourself a legitimate chance of making the playoffs. I want to throw this out to you guys because we've talked about this before and uh, there, there are two things at play right now that I think bother me about hockey that I, I can't wrap my head around. You look at what the Atlantic division is. The Atlantic division right now is underachieving. And like, I get it. I get that. Like, this is not how the entire season is going to play out, but for better or worse, when you look at like, I don't know, say the NBA, right. Where records are kind of factored in a little bit more, uh, where you're not necessarily giving out as many, uh, let's call them participation awards in terms of the, the final rankings. Like, are we in a scenario right now where the NHL should consider maybe taking away some of the guaranteed spots in the postseason? Uh, you know, if, if one division, like if the Metropolitan finishes with six teams, let's say, that are exponentially better, 
than um, than the Atlantic. Should the Atlantic oh. still get four? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So you're saying it just so, so then you're going to a full conference mode then, right? You're just going to say take the top eight and try to throw the divisions. Yeah, stuff I mean, out? You, you could still keep, I guess in theory, like you could still keep the divisions just for the rivalry aspect or whatever. But yeah, like I kind of view this as your best eight teams in yeah. each conference should get in. The division yeah, should have no bearing on that. Like what, I'm with if you. we look at like the, the current projections right now, I just had them pulled up, but like Florida. Okay. Florida's had a great season. Coaching change. We talked about that last week. Tampa. Obviously, Tampa's going to be good. But, like, if Boston's the only other good team that really breaks through, or if Toronto is, like, the only other good team that pops through, then, like, why shouldn't they only get three if five teams in the Metro or something are are that much better? It's a tougher division right now. It looks like a tougher division. So, I, I it just bothers me. And that leads me to this other question that I think is kind of tied to this the loser point in hockey at what point, And is there a point and Bundy as a former player, would it bother you if this league took on say like the soccer scoring system, three points for a win one point, I guess, for, for an OT loss. Do you look at doing tiered, you know, tiered point systems where it's three for a win uh, two, if you lose, or, uh, like one point, if you lose in overtime, but nothing, if you lose in the shootout, like, that no, probably no, no. overcomplicates things. But do we go three and one? And one? Two and one in, in the overtime. I mean, every game has. To have oh, the you're same saying value. you're saying like curb the uh, the the value of a of an overtime win taking it from three to every, two. Every game in my mind should have the same value. So okay. with the way it is win, now, regardless, Anthony, if it's overtime overtime win uh, during play or regular or regulation, shouldn't regulation get three points? If that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. So every, so every game should have okay. the same value. So if every game is right now, they don't. Right now, a regulation game is only worth two points yeah. to the winner. It's nothing to the loser. But in overtime, the game is worth three points. So there's, so there's yeah. it's, right, it's, not the, it's not balanced. To me, it should be all the same. So you either eliminate the loser point, which they never will do, um, or you expand what a, a regulation win is worth to three. So that, that each game has the same value. So if it's three, you win in regulation, you get three. And if you win an overtime or shootout, you get two with the loser getting one. Yeah. I, I, I like that because it gives you more, I, to me, it gives you more intensity and competition in the first 60, yes. especially the third yeah. period. Because if you're a team that's, so you're like, let's say you're the Flyers playing Pittsburgh, right? And it's a 2-2 game. I have more incentive in my own head to win that game in regulation. Correct. And that's the mindset of the player that'll happen. Whereas if you go to the overtime and you get the same value, you're like, well, you know what? Let them have their one. I'll flip a coin and try to get the win in the OT. And believe me, that happens on the bench where you're like, hey, let's just make sure they don't fuck. You know, say the F word. Make sure they don't have yeah, to score you, you right can. now. It is guys. a podcast. You're, you're I know, okay. I know. I'm trying to, in case kids watch, you know, I have a kid still. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yes. That's. So I'm always, but that that's what I'm saying is so I, I've heard guys I played one year where they had an overtime rule was in, involved with the shootout and guys are like hey just don't get scored on let's just get the point in overtime you know we'll yeah. take the one hope we get the bonus right right so. and if you if you I think it, you if you make regulation worth more teams will try and win in regulation correct I mean you so would the would the super radical approach here be three two one zero Three in regulation, two if you win the overtime, one if you have to win in the shootout, zero to the loser. That would be pretty gutsy. It won't, I, like it the, never I like the zero. I like somebody coming out of there and taking a bus or a plane home with zero. Because <laughs> like, to me, you have to figure out a way to incentivize 
if it gets to overtime, like I could almost even see saying it finishes as three, one, if it's in overtime or in the shootout, because you still want to incentivize winning in the run of play and not winning as Vino calls it the skills competition, like going even down to like two and one, if you're a team on the road against a, a superior you know, club, your, your goal is going to be to come away with a point. So even if it comes in the shootout, you're happy to get the point. I don't like complacency. Well, I mean, to your you point, perfect, it, it does incentivize example. the first well, 60 minutes. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. It's funny because we were talking about that 17, 18 Flyers team that lost to the Coyotes who were 10 and one. Yeah. At the end of the year, that Flyers team won 42 games. That's yeah. all they won. and had 98 points. They had 98 points because they got 14 loser points. Yep. And, it, and they made the playoffs as a three seed. They didn't even, weren't even a wild card. They were a three seed. They won one more game than they lost in, regular, in the regular season. They were 42 and 40. In all honesty, I mean, it's 42, 26, and 14. But they lost 40 games, okay, and ended up being yep. the three seed because they got 14 loser points. And were no, they were no match for Pittsburgh. Even, even though it went six games, they didn't have a couple good games in the playoffs. But nevertheless – they were not a match for Pittsburgh that year. They were not. They just they just didn't belong there. And it's because the loser point elevated them to a to a position they they shouldn't have been in. Agreed. So good. We fixed hockey. Well, we've we fixed at least one element of hockey. Can hockey really get fixed with Gary Bettman in charge? I don't know. Don't know. Probably not. So so Russ. By the way, this is yeah. You know, what was your what was your word of the day for the first uh, pair of tickets? Well, I can't. I'm not going to say it now. People can go back and rewind. That that's part of incentivizing. I think they have to listen to the whole show. They can't okay. just go skip. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the second one here. Okay. But I'll say this for people: if you put both, then Russ will give you two entries into the into the hopper. Sure. Right. If you if you complicate my both life, of, sure. Just in case somebody didn't get to this point, so this mm-hmm. is a bonus for the people who listen to this long, right? In the in the podcast, mm-hmm. they sure. can now put both words. Oh. And get two entries instead of just the one. Okay. Fair enough? Sure. I don't care. All right. So loser point. Loser point is the other <laughs> phrase or word that you got to put put out there. Loser point. That's loser two point. words. Well, okay. Two words. Yeah, so instead of one keyword, we've now gone for two words. Well, so you, now you, you want took people it away from me earlier. So I decided to change the rules too. So I go. took it away. I know. I'm the antichrist for that. I'm so sorry that it, the, uh, threw, it threw the whole San Filippo strategy out. All right. Um, I think that's probably a, a decent spot to end because without knowing how the, the next couple of games are going to go, I mean, we'll be back next week. Uh, they play them. They host the Maple Leafs. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we'll be back with the press row show next Wednesday for Flyers and Maple Leafs at Wells Fargo center. That's a TNT game. I'm guessing, right. It's a seven 30 start and it's on a Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to see, you know, soon to be inducted into the hall of fame, uh, Flyers hall of fame, Rick Tockett um, on the, I guess on the set for TNT. So that'll be exciting for, uh, for people listening for talk. Um, and we'll be giving away more flyers, alumni tickets on that press row show. Remember if you've gotten this far, or if you skipped ahead, hoping that we would kind of recap the words or not, you have to go back and listen to the whole episode. You tweet them at us, you send them to us on Facebook and we'll enter, uh, you'll be entered in to win. Uh, we'll give away two pairs of flyers, alumni game tickets from this episode alone. How about that? That's exciting stuff. That's why we are the People's Podcast. Speaking of exciting stuff, Russ. Yep. We have three five-star reviews to read this week. Now, There's one, one, is one a was from one last is a week that we held off on because 
it was directed to Bundy. We wanted to make sure that he was on. Oh, the that's right. To get it, and then we had two new ones. Uh, so we have, but we have three that have to be read. All right. All right. So as always, you go over to Apple Podcasts, you leave a five star review. Even if you don't know how to use Apple Podcasts, don't worry. You get somebody else uh, to help you. Get a get a niece or a nephew or a kid or somebody to help you figure out Apple Podcasts. First one is uh, is from Tyler Mish. Great pod, five stars. Been listening to this pod for two years. Not once typically take time to write a review, but I feel the need to for these guys. Excellent coverage, plus the addition of Chris Terrian completes it. Best Flyers podcast by far. Also, please tell Chris I got a signed puck from a Santa sack probably 15 years ago, and it's still showcased in my room. Go Flyers. That's awesome, dude. That's that's great. Thank you for that five-star review. I appreciate it. Thanks, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? What do you think his reaction though was when he opened that Santa sack and it was signed by Chris Terrian as opposed oh! to? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get his puck. <laughs> oh, you could have could have had you could have had Leclerc, you could have had Lindros, you could have had Ronick, you could have had anything Dejardin. You got hey, Terrian puck. As, in in fairness, as we uh, went over on the press row show, Bundy was like a 91 on the uh, the NHL game, which. Uh, We'll just say got him really excited. So there's that. All right, let's keep going. We have Ari Logan, who says uh, five stars winning out West. Great analysis of Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault issue and discussion of Flyers. Great start. Enjoy the show each week. So thank you, Ari. Thank you. Good. Was, and I thought last week was a good episode. We, we really got into got into that real hard. And then yeah, um, it was uh, it was good. It was, it was good. It was good for us to do that. So. It was not I don't have a, an time easy, to talk about it right now. So yeah, yeah, it was not a, an easy part of that episode to get through, but we uh, we did it, and it's gotten worse. In fairness, I mean, at some point we might have to do an update on it, but the NHL continues to vomit profusely all over themselves uh, with this scandal. So there's, some, there's uh, other stuff going on now too, Russ. As well, like uh, you know, with, uh, other, another uh, assault case through the league that is right on TSN this morning. Involved yeah. in Minnesota or something with Pittsburgh. Sorry, my dogs are wild. Um, but the dogs I, also don't like Gary Bettman's handling of sexual <laughs> assault allegations, and they're not afraid not, to let him. Very out. disappointed about what he heard the other day in the press. Yeah. yeah. And then our final five star review of the day comes from Donovan Buck. Five stars, not the only, but very good with a winking face. I've never left a review, but after Friday, I have to. I love how this show makes no excuses and is honest to how the game is played. Thank you for the entertainment and great insight. Keep up the good work. Recommend to anyone that listens to Flyers podcasts. That's awesome. Thanks, good Donna. Stuff, man. Thanks, guys. Yeah. We appreciate all our listeners. We love you all. You guys are great. We Keep do. us going. Great. It's great. You know, this actually gets us, I believe, over the 200 five-star review mark. I'm going to have to double check for any duplicates. I know that Lee C. leaves... A, uh, a review almost every week at this point now. So Lisi might be skewing the data a little bit, um, but we're, we're doing okay. I believe we're at 223 five-star ratings over on Apple Podcasts. So listen, we, we love the reviews because the reviews make Anthony smile. They make Bundy smile. They, they warm the cockles of my heart. Um, but if you, if you don't feel so moved to you know, put fingers to, to keys, at least, you know, hit that five star on Apple Podcasts. And again, if you don't have an Apple Podcast account, if you don't have an Apple product, you can still set up, quote unquote, an Apple account to leave a five star review. Pop in there, leave a five star review for Snow the Goalie. 
And then like, peace out. Never worry about your Apple account that may or may not exist from that point on. Just leave a five-star review there and everything's great. And right, I'll guys? keep having my kids put those five-star reviews in too, guys. <laughs> That's right. Oh, we need to send that check, Ant. What is it? Uh, <laughs> what was the what was the agreed upon sum? Was it $10 a review? Anyway, a uh, positive note. This is another good thing. Those of you who end up winning tickets to the Flyers alumni game, uh, we have like, it's, it's pretty much a block. It's like a 20 seat block. So those of you who win tickets, you're going to be seated around other Snow the Goalie listeners. So you can, you can have fun with that. Uh, you can start chants. You can start ridiculous things. Uh, you can post all over social media. We'll retweet the hell out of it. It'll be great. But uh, it, I think it's going to be kind of nice. Nice to, you know, have a little cheering section for Bundy specifically. Yeah. And you know what? And I and I talked to a couple of guys this morning that are going to be playing. We ensure, we promise you that the game will be a little bit faster than what you saw last night. We've had guys working at their skate <laughs> in Buck Hanlon, and uh, that's going to be kind of our guarantee. Come on out, buy some tickets. A little bit cheaper than what it costs for a Flyers game. It'll be a lot of fun. So if you can't win the tickets from us, you can still buy some. But, you know, like we've been saying, been give, we're, we're up to now. This will be the fourth pair of tickets, third and fourth pair that we're going to give out. So we're at eight. We still have 12 more tickets to give out, right. six more pairs. So get excited. If you're out there, if you're listening, if you've been watching the Press Row Show, get excited. We'll be doing more giveaways between now and the Flyers alumni game. So set that date aside. You never know what will happen here on Snow the Goalie. So make sure you follow us over on Twitter, at Snow the Goalie, at Cterian6, at AntSanPhilly, at JoyOnBroad. You can find us on facebook.com slash snow the goalie. And of course you can watch these episodes over on the crossing broad YouTube channel. So you can just, you know, type in crossing broad. You can type in snow the goalie. We have a playlist under the crossing broad channel that you can go to watch these episodes as well. They usually go up after the podcast. So if you want the latest breaking news, you go to the podcast feed first, but if you want to see what it looks like when Bundy laughs at one of our jokes, by all means, you could do that. If you want to see Anthony be really salty when I apparently shade him at the at the you know top of episodes, it'll be fine. <laughs> We're not going to mention the fact that Anthony is omitting the fact that he blew up one of his betting previews in the back end of the Crossing Broad site. He left it looking like Dresden. Is that too soon? Maybe it's too soon. Doesn't matter. Uh, ladies and gents, thanks for tuning in to Snow the Goalie. We will be back again next week. And don't forget, we'll have the Press Row Show going next Wednesday as well. And we have a couple surprises lined up as we, uh, you know, move closer to the alumni game. So <clears throat> stay tuned for that. Yeah, I think we have some guests. At least okay, one. You know, I said surprises. You At go, least one. You're, you're, Maybe you're a former promising. Maybe. Ooh. Yeah. yeah you never Maybe. Know. That'd be pretty Could cool. Be. By the way, that game nice. went under last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, go back and watch the Press Row Show pregame from last night, and you'll pick up on that one. So, thanks. Good chat with you guys. We'll talk to all of you out there in Flyers land next week.